Welcome, folks, to another episode of the Football Gumbo Show podcast. I am your host, the Cajun Hillbilly, breaking it down for you. That's right, it is the Football Gumbo Show podcast. And I am Lance Vosser, a.k.a. the Cajun Hillbilly. little preview of the upcoming Super Bowl, Super Bowl 55. And the matchup is now set. It is, or it should be a good one, between two of the best quarterbacks in the game at different stages of their career. Pat Mahomes, the best, youngest quarterback in the game. And Tom Brady, some call the GOAT, greatest of all time. Looking very much younger than his 43 years of age. Started out the season, you know, not so great. Warmed up toward the end of the season. Played better in Bruce Arians' system. Getting used to those weapons, which he was not going to have in New England. And saw the writing on the wall and decided to get out of town. Oh, what a great decision it's turned out to be for Tom Brady to go play for Bruce Arians and the Bucks, Facing off against another team that wears red in their uniform, <laughs> the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, the Bucks are supposed to wear their white jerseys and pewter pants, pewter pants, and the Chiefs will be wearing their red jersey tops, I believe. Tampa Bay will be the first team in NFL history to be hosting the Super Bowl in their own stadium. So uh, we've talked about it for quite some time. When is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? When are the stars going to align? And it has finally happened with Tampa Bay's, well, I'm not going to say it was a shocking victory over Green Bay. Maybe the way that Green Bay lost that game was quite shocking. So let's jump right into the results of the NFC and AFC championship games. We'll start off with Green Bay versus Tampa Bay, the Battle of the Bays, and the old wise QBs. Much of the outcome of the game relied upon Green Bay's inability to pass protect against Tampa Bay. Their front consisted of Shaquille Barrett and JPP, Jason Pierre-Paul, and they really had their way with Green Bay's line. Of course, Green Bay um, a little short-handed without left tackle David Bakhtiari and Wagner at right tackle um, really were ineffective and got their asses handed to them by this Buccaneers pass rush. Also, uh, clogging up the middle, the return of Vita, Vita Vea, the young defensive tackle for the Bucks, was huge and rotated him in and out with Indomitung Sue, which I didn't realize that Sue was still in the league. And apparently Tampa Bay is doing a great job of managing his snaps and still a contributor. And, you know, it turns it on, got that burning desire since he's this close to the Super Bowl, and I expect both of these guys to turn it up in the game, and it should be a great game, and I'm excited about the matchup on February the 7th. Matt LaFleur's decision to kick a late field goal Sunday with the Packers trailing by eight points was one that he immediately came to regret. It seemed in that one moment he doubted both his own MVP quarterback and the GOAT. Even if they didn't get the touchdown, Tampa Bay would would have been backed up for a possible shot at Green Bay's defense getting the safety and then getting the ball back in good field position, but it was not meant to be. And we've seen young coaches do this before, but sort of tense up on their own way in the playoffs and have a brain fart. So you're not going to rely upon your MVP quarterback to put you in the end zone, but you're going to give the ball back to Tom Brady. Um, that single incident didn't quite punch the Buccaneers ticket to the Super Bowl, but maybe that huge pass interference did. There was a pass interference late on Green Bay cornerback Kevin King moments later after the field goal. With about a minute 46 remaining and the Bucs looking to convert a third and four, Tom Brady sailed the ball well over the head of Tyler Johnson 
for a long second. It appeared to be an incomplete pass, which would have forced Tampa to punt from its own 37. Then in a game that was called very loosely and included just six penalties. I was watching the game and I couldn't believe the lack of flags. But one would come out in this situation, and the pass interference was called, and it gave the Bucks a first down and allowed them to run out the clock for the 31-26 to win. The Packers hated the penalty, of course, but they were also caught off guard by it, given how the game was officiated. I personally don't have a problem with the pass interference call. It does look like the receiver's jersey was probably pulled on, and his progress to the ball was impeded. But here's a problem. Call the game like that. The whole game. If you're going to call a tight game, call the game the same way the whole game. Don't let them pan fight and let them play. And then the last two minutes, call a completely different game. That's where it looks bad on the NFL's part. Remember that at the end of the Saints-Rams game, that was a flagrant pass interference. Everybody swallowed their whistle and just let it go. So another joke by the NFL, another questionable call instead of a non-call, but more questionable officiating at the end of a game in the NFC Championship. Replay, of course, clearly showed King pulling on Johnson's jersey as he broke inside. The tug might not have been lengthy or forceful, yet drew the attention of an official, especially whenever he sees the jersey pulled out like that. Throwing a flag for such contact didn't seem egregious in a vacuum, but in the setting that Green Bay and Tampa Bay had battled over the previous 58 minutes, it understandably stood out to one Aaron Rodgers, who was 33 for 48, 346 yards, three touchdowns and only one pick. Rodgers did not play bad at all, but he was sacked like five times. He was besieged by a relentless Bucks pass rush, beset by teammates' uncharacteristic mistakes, like the fumble by uh, Aaron running back Aaron Rodgers, not Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, that essentially handed the Bucks a third-quarter touchdown and dropped the two-point conversion by Equinemius St. Brown. Brady threw three interceptions, um, almost like a Jameis Winston-like stat line, uncharacteristic of Brady, but Green Bay could not capitalize on getting the three interceptions. They couldn't really do anything with the ball at all. Tampa's defense limited what the Packers did with those interceptions. Not much. Even without Antoine Winfield Jr. in their secondary, Tampa was able to sort of clamp down on the Packers, and the Packers couldn't make much points off those turnovers. In contrast to uh, Matt LaFleur, Bruce Arian stayed aggressive and bold, going for a fourth and four before halftime with a huge play. And this was basically um, the decisive score in the game. The Bucks had taken a four-point game, and turned it into an 11-point game at halftime against the Green Bay Packers with quarterback Tom Brady airing it out to speedy Scotty Miller for a stunning 39-yard touchdown to make it 21-10 right before the halftime. Miller reached 20.6 miles per hour on the play as he outran Kevin King with eight seconds left on the clock. Just one play before, the Bucks converted on a fourth and four, Bruce Arians being aggressive, on a short pass to Leonard Fournette, Mike Pettin for the Green Bay Packers, the defensive coordinator, had the wrong defense called in that situation. And I'm surprised that the guy still has a job. You're going to leave Kevin King alone defending Scotty Miller with no safety help in man-to-man coverage at the end of the half. Uh, just completely unacceptable in that scenario. No Antonio Brown in this one, so Scotty Miller did play a part. Brady also threw a touchdown to Cameron Brait, and it's too bad that Aaron Jones went out for the Packers because if he would have stayed in and scored a touchdown somehow, I would have won $1,000 on FanDuel. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Hopefully I have a little bit more luck wagering in the Super Bowl. But again, that's neither here nor there. Hopefully you guys made out with a little bit of 
wagering here and there. By the way, if wagering is not uh, yet legal in your state, be looking for it soon. Fortunately, I'm in Tennessee where it is and having a little bit of fun with it here and there. Aaron Rodgers would be asked about the decision to go for the field goal that late in the game instead of going for instead of playing for four downs, instead of being in fourth down territory, which he thought they were in four down territory. And in typical Aaron Rodgers fashion, he would say that, you know, he did understand the thinking behind it, but he said it wasn't his decision. And he made a comment about his future being unknown and a couple other guys futures being unknown there in Green Bay. So Aaron Rodgers cannot be happy with uh, the year before whenever the Packers were a little bit uh, a little bit aggressive or more aggressive than they traditionally have been in free agency. This past season, not so much. And in the draft, they really didn't give Rodgers any immediate help. Instead, jumping up to grab his successor and a running back that everybody thought would have been a fourth-round pick. So understandably, uh, I don't know, this this could be Rodgers just in his passive-aggressive way, saying that he's not happy or angling for more money because a couple of other quarterbacks who are not good as him have – Passed him by with their contracts. So maybe that's what this might be, is Aaron Rodgers, who played at an MVP level this year and by all means should be the MVP whenever that is voted upon. Um, Probably deserves a raise for the way that he's played this year, but it ends very disappointingly. And uh, I was kind of looking forward to Aaron Rodgers having a chance for his second Super Bowl. However, Tom Brady is going to go instead and have a chance to win his seventh Super Bowl, which is insane. Now, moving on to the Chiefs and the Bills. This one was not as close. The Chiefs made quick work of the Bills, and the Bills' lack of a consistent running game really was glaring in this one. The Chiefs kept their foot on the gas. Everyone is saying they're not, um, this past season, the Chiefs are not blowing out teams like they were, and they won a couple of close games, notably against the Atlanta Falcons. They let the Falcons hang around, and they really didn't score a lot of points against them. They really had a bad game. But this was a total beatdown against a very good Bills team. But it came at a significant price as they lose left tackle Eric Fisher to an Achilles injury. And we just saw what JPP and Shaquille Barrett did to Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers line. So if anyone can scheme around losing their starting left tackle, I'm sure Andy Reid can. But the offensive line for the Chiefs has been a concern for the whole season. They've really had trouble Staying healthy on the line. Mitchell Schwartz has not been available for a large part of the season at right tackle. Um, They lost um, Duvernay uh, Cardiff, the guard, who decided that he was going to opt out and go help on the front lines of the pandemic. So they relied upon, I believe Mike Rimbers is uh, a journeyman and he's 31 years old playing at right tackle. He's played some left tackle. He's expected to move to left tackle for the Super Bowl. And I don't know who they're going to plug in at right tackle. But definitely not an ideal situation going into a game of such magnitude. But um, Mahomes does a really good job of with his pocket awareness and getting rid of the ball in a timely fashion as long as he can learn to slide and not take stupid hits. And Andy Reid should be able to uh, pull off some interesting play calling as he no doubt will against this Tampa defense that has played quite well in the past few weeks with middle linebacker Devin White getting healthy. And maybe Antoine Winfield will be back in the secondary. And now you've got Vita Vea on the front. So uh, this should really be a nice matchup. Steve Spagnolo, the defensive coordinator for Kansas City, really called a nice game. He had some blitzes, some timely blitzes coming from different directions. And Josh Allen was clearly, clearly frazzled and, and pressured in the first part of the game. Um, but... 
Josh Allen time after time refused to step up in the pocket. Instead, he kept backpedaling and losing a lot of yards on some critical sacks. Um, It got ugly near the end of the game as frustration kind of boiled over. The funny thing is about five players got hit with penalties, personal fouls, and unsportsmanlike conducts, and the referees just convened and got together, and guess what? They called five penalties on five players, and they simply said it all offset. Talk about um, Pat Mahomes coming off the bench and with a significant lead, Getting his, guy, getting his guys to keep their wits about them, keep their heads in the game, say, hey, guys, we're going to the Super Bowl. Let's not do anything stupid here. So lots of maturity and leadership coming from a young Pat Mahomes. Uh, he kept his teammates back and reminded them of the bigger picture. Clyde Edwards-Alaire returned for the Chiefs after being hurt and being out for quite a bit. He finally got into a game and scored, and the Chiefs really still did a nice job of rotating his workload along with Daryl Williams, who's playing really well for the Chiefs right now. The Chiefs offense, it seems that uh, uh, lots of teams are being forced to pick whether or not they're going to get torched by um, Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill. Just one of those guys, it's one of the other, seems to really hurt you. Um, death by a thousand cuts there. Um, it was nice to see all that speed on display for the Chiefs. Miko Hardman, kind of like with uh, um, an early flub, um, flubbed a special teams kick, and Buffalo was up early. So I thought the Chiefs, you know, Chiefs were just calm. You know they can score points in bunches, and they got behind early, but they keep their heads about them. And the Bills kicker, Tyler Bass, really did a nice job kicking and executed a really good onside kick with a timely high bounce, allowed the Bills to get the ball back and score another touchdown and make the game a little bit closer than it seemed. But then um, too much KC defense, too much Steve Spagnola, and Josh Allen running backwards. Um, giving up way too many yards and the lack of a running game by the Bills to really um, allow their play action. If, if, if the Bills had play action working for them in their offensive arsenal, that offense would be even better if that was a threat. But uh, the Bills' running game is not very effective. Um, their defense really had some glaring um, weaknesses there. Tredavious White had a nice season but uh, didn't really have um, a playoff uh, a playoff performance worth noting. Andy Reid was wearing a nice Kansas City uh, Chiefs fabric mask, and he was chewing gum, or either he was chewing gum or had like uh, some trail mix in his mask, because that's what it looked like. It looked like he had just like a pouch of food on his face. It was quite hilarious. But congratulations to the Chiefs who are going back to the Super Bowl again, and Pat Mahomes at a very young age might win his second Super Bowl, or Tom Brady might win his seventh Super Bowl. So two young guns at the opposite end of the spectrum. Tom Brady nearing the end of his career. So I think that's what Aaron Rodgers is perhaps frustrated at whenever he looks at management styles of both teams. you got Green Bay, who is cautious and overly preparing for the future instead of striking while the iron is hot and while the window is open. And you got Tampa Bay, who, you know, is all in. They go for Tom Brady, even though he might only have two years left. Um, they bring in, they gamble a little bit and bring in Antonio Brown. Um, very aggressive, and it's just a, a striking difference, and it worked out. Sometimes it doesn't always work out, but it's worked out for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, even if it works out for just one year. You know, if you have a Super Bowl appearance and a Super Bowl victory, you know, that's a legacy that lasts forever. Moving on to college football, um, the Pac-12 agrees to part ways with uh, Commissioner Larry Scott 
conference CEOs just finished meeting tonight. The national search for a new commissioner will begin immediately. Pac-12 has a ways to go. Nobody's really interested in the Pac-12, especially whenever it comes to football. I mean, they have the USC Trojans and not much else. Washington has kind of tailed off a little bit. Um, They did bring about the Pac-12 network, which I'm not sure anybody's really interested in since there's not really all that much uh, good in the way of Pac-12 football outside of USC and maybe Oregon from time and time again. The Tennessee Volunteers found themselves in a huge mess. McDonald's bags full of cash was being a trending headline and a trending hashtag. An exodus of talent from the Tennessee football program appears to be underway after the firing of coach Jeremy Pruitt and nine staff members left the Volunteers in limbo Last week, leading rusher Eric Gray, leading tackler Henry Teotio, both entered the transfer portal on Wednesday. I believe we have some updated information on Gray, who ran for 1,311 yards. I believe he has moved on to Oklahoma. But Tennessee finally seems to have made a decent hire at the athletic director position. Um, Philip Fulmer stepping down, or maybe it was one of those firings, but we're going to call it a mutual parting of ways. Or we're just going to call it Philip Fulmer retiring. His guy, Jeremy Pruitt, um, not making it past just, what, three seasons. So Tennessee's athletic director hire was um, mostly received with positive reviews. They go with Danny White, who was formerly the uh, athletic director for the UCF program and their sports programs. And their football team has done very well in the past couple of years. Um White has been, had been at uh, Central Florida since December of 2015. He's worked to rebuild that football program into a national power and got them into the conversation, including an undefeated record in 2017 and 25 straight wins overall between 2017 and 18. And the Knights uh, men's basketball team made the NCAA tournament in 2018 and 19 with a 24-9 record. And the hiring of Katie Abramson Henderson as the women's basketball coach prior to 2016 and 17 campaign has led to four straight 21 seasons and an appearance in the 2019 NCAA tournament. So Danny White coming over from UCF with uh, some considerable achievements there to show. So the University of Tennessee now is reportedly uh, just found this out today is set to announce Josh Heupel as its new head football coach. ESPN's Chris Lowe reported Wednesday, new Volunteers Athletic Director Danny White, who was hired last week, selected Hypo after they spent the entire spent the last three seasons together at UCF. Contract details are not worked out quite yet at this moment. White did work with a searching search firm to quickly start through several candidates, led by Penn State's James Franklin, Cincinnati's Luke Fickle, SMU's Sonny Dykes, Minnesota's PJ Fleck, and Clemson's Tony Elliott. Hypo will replace Jeremy Pruitt, of course, who was fired for cause after an investigation revealed evidence of multiple Level 1 and Level 2 NCAA recruiting rules violations, which also led to the dismissal of assistant coaches Brian Niedermeyer and Shelton Felton, as well as seven recruiting staffers. Hypo was hired by White as UFC's, uh, UCF's head coach in 2018. He guided the Knights to a 28-8 record across three seasons, including a 12-1 mark in his debut season with Scott Frost's players. But uh, they did see that team reach number seven in the AP poll 
Um, Heupel is a 42-year-old South Dakota native. He was an assistant at Oklahoma, Arizona, Utah State, and Missouri before getting his first chance to become a head coach at UCF. During his playing days, of course, he finished second to Chris Winkie in voting for the 2000 Heisman Trophy while throwing 20 touchdowns and rushing for seven more as a member of the Oklahoma Sooners. It is a bit of an underwhelming hire, but let's face it, none of those big names were probably going to come here at this difficult time for Tennessee. Um, The job at the moment is just not very attractive, and I assume the familiarity of Danny White was led to be very comfortable with that pick. Um, Josh sort of keeps like a low profile. He's definitely not your Lane Kiffin. And I don't know what's up with Vols fans, and they just can't seem to get rid of Lane Kiffin out of their damn mind. It's like he's not going to stay anywhere for long, or he hasn't shown that he's going to stay anywhere for long. He's just signed an extension with Ole Miss. Uh, I'm sure Lane loves the attention, and he does a great job at dropping hints on social media and trolling However, Vols fans just need to let that go, okay? It's time to turn the page. James Franklin, I wasn't all that impressed with him. I'm glad he's staying at Penn State. They had a good first year under Franklin. Last This past season was not all that great, not impressive. Uh, Franklin originally came from Vanderbilt um, and got the program there on the map and um, raised eyebrows there, and I'm sure he does have ties to Tennessee, but I really – wasn't interested in having him return to Tennessee, and he wasn't interested in returning right now at this difficult time where Tennessee's under NCAA scrutiny at the moment. So maybe this hire allows Tennessee to sort of rebuild. Josh Heupel should be helpful to developing the quarterbacks at UT and Harrison Bailey should Bailey decide to stay. Tennessee should have an imaginative offense, and they should put up some points. And if they're going to lose, hell, he might as well be entertaining. So it's kind of a mixed bag with the hire of Josh Heupel which I'm, you know, cautiously optimistic about. But, uh, you know, if they can just win five games maybe and come close to a bowl, they can get close to 500, um, that would be pretty impressive. Um, And Eric Gray does, in fact, move on to Oklahoma along with uh, defensive back Key Lawrence and offensive tackle Wayna Morris. So it's another coach, uh, another new coach for the Tennessee Volunteers. And let's see what happens. And maybe they get through this period of NCAA sanction and scrutiny, and <clears throat> maybe the next hire will be the knock-it-out-of-the-park hire whenever the job becomes a little bit more enticing. Um, LSU lands their future defensive coordinator, finally. Um, it is the Vikings defensive backs head coach, uh, defensive back coach, excuse me, Durante Jones, and I'm really excited about this hire for the LSU Tigers. Jones is a protege of Dave Aranda, and he coached under the ex-Tigers defensive coordinator whenever he was at Wisconsin. They were at Wisconsin together, Coach Aranda and Durante Jones. Um, previously spent two seasons with the Cincinnati Bengals as the secondary slash cornerbacks coach in 2018 and 19, and two seasons with the Dolphins as an assistant defensive backs coach in 2016 and 17. Before he made the jump to the NFL, Jones coached for Aranda in 2015 at Wisconsin as the DB coach there. And the Badgers led the nation with just seven passing touchdowns allowed, and their passing defense ranked second in the Big Ten and seventh nationally, allowing just 173 passing yards per game. Hey, if you can come in here and you can get the Tigers to play something, if you can get them to mix up coverages and not just strictly adhere to one coverage, one or the other, you know, that'd be great. You know, not stubbornly stick with man whenever it calls for zone. Mix something up a little bit. That would be great. <laughs> Jones, who spent the day interviewing with Ed Orgeron, was defensive coordinator for five years at Bowie State and had the number one defense in Division Two. 
So it's a it's a good hire. They couldn't get Marcus Freeman in. He ended up going to Notre Dame, which was probably closer to some family, and his wife preferred that move there. But um, I am very very encouraged by this hire of Durante Jones, and um, it's 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 a good uh, rebound for Ed, who has really kind of went about this in really um, a naive and goofy manner, kicking around the Saints, trying to poach you know another Saints. He's already poached Joe Brady before from the Saints coaching staff, and I'm sure Sean Payton, who's already lost quite a bit of coaches from his staff after the season. Sean Payton was not really interested in letting um, defensive line coach Ryan Nielsen get away. So Ed, who was familiar with Ryan, thought that he could perhaps pull him away, and they thought they had everything done and settled, but then, oh, lo and behold, they didn't really do their homework, or Ed didn't do his homework and investigate, oh, well, the contract states that you know, Nielsen can't leave for a college position. And the Saints are also going to, you know, not do him dirty. They're going to actually uh, promote Nielsen and they're going to give him a raise. So it works out for him. And Ed moves on and a nice rebound to go ahead and get Durante Jones from the Minnesota staff. Um, very, you know, cautiously optimistic about that hire as well. Dwayne Haskins is now reportedly returning to the NFL as a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers one month after he was released by the Washington football team. This could get interesting, depending on Big Ben's future. Pre-ESPN's Adam Schefter, Haskins and the Steelers have agreed to a one-year deal. Mike Tomlin's probably not going to put up with crap, but I don't know. Mike Tomlin has put up with crap from the likes of Antonio Brown before and ran a pretty loose locker room, so this could be quite interesting. Le'Veon Bell was known to you know, inhabit that locker room for a little bit and like the weed. So they don't really know what's going to happen here, but it's only a one-year deal. So um, they both get a chance. Pittsburgh gets a chance to sort of kick the tires on Haskins, and Haskins gets a chance to show that he can mature and bounce back and that his name is not completely dirt. The contract was expected to be signed if the meeting goes well. Washington released Haskins. The Washington football team released Haskins on December 28th, one day after benching him for Taylor Haneke in the fourth quarter of a 20-13 loss to the Panthers. The Eagles have found their coach. They're hiring Colts offensive coordinator Nick Sirianni as their head coach, sources tell ESPN. This is after Doug Peterson was dismissed and they went their separate ways. Sirianni spent three seasons as the Chiefs assistant coach, five seasons with the Chargers, and the past three with the Colts. Now the 39-year-old Sirianni becomes the lead man in Philadelphia. So this is also a pick that could be made out of comfort as, you know, Philadelphia probably regrets letting the wrong guy go. Um, in hindsight, they probably um, should have kept uh, present-day Indianapolis head coach Frank Reich and let Doug Peterson go because Frank Reich has had quite a bit of success in Indianapolis with a deep playoff run. Former Green Bay Packers general manager Ted Thompson died earlier in the week at the age of 68 Head coach Matt LaFleur announced on Thursday Thompson was fundamental in um, getting the Green Bay uh, Packers franchise competitive over the past couple of years. He's had a uh, philosophy of uh, building the team through the draft. And uh, in Atlanta, Texas, uh, he was a native that served as a Packers general manager from 2005 all the way to 2017. And before that, he spent eight years in the organization in various, row, in various roles, including director of player personnel. He worked for five years with the Seahawks as the vice president of football operations before returning to Green Bay to become the GM in 2005. Thompson was part of the Packers front office when the Green Bay won Super Bowl 31 to conclude the 96th season. 
and he later built the Packers team that won the Super Bowl with uh, Aaron Rodgers at the end of the 2010 campaign. During his time as general manager, the Packers reached the playoffs nine times and won the NFC North on six occasions. Unquestionably, Thompson's biggest move as GM of the Packers was patiently waiting and selecting quarterback Aaron Rodgers with the 24th overall pick in the 2005 draft whenever Aaron had slid down in the draft whenever the Packers were lucky enough to step up to the podium and make the call. As a result of some strong drafting and roster management, as well as his construction of a Super Bowl-winning team, Thompson was inducted into the Green Bay Packers Hall of Fame in 2018. So, um, of course, thoughts and prayers to the Thompson family. Rest in peace, Ted. Did a lot for the Green Bay franchise. Gary Kubiak has retired once again as the Vikings offensive coordinator. The 59-year-old spent the past two seasons in Minnesota, including last season as the team's offensive coordinator, but has been coaching in the NFL in various capacities since 1994. Kubiak spent 10 years as the head coach in the league, including 2015 Denver Broncos team that won the Super Bowl. He had an 82-75 and record during his time with the Broncos and Houston Texans. He first broke into the NFL as a quarterback's coach with the 49ers, but made a name for himself as the Broncos OC from 1995 to 2005, working under head coach Mike Shanahan. He helped lead the team to back-to-back Super Bowl titles in 97 and 98 with that infamous zone-blocking scheme, the quarterback rollouts, um, always had a good running game there, did a lot for the Vikings uh, running game as well. So the Vikings will once again have to go back to the drawing board and yet again, Go with a different offense coordinator, and Kirk Cousins is going to have to go through that again. One week after the Pittsburgh Steelers part ways with OC Randy Finkner, they have reportedly interviewed former Cleveland Browns head coach Hugh Jackson for their vacant offensive coordinator position. Um, The Steelers decided not to renew Finkner's contract, which is not surprising because, let's face it, the Pittsburgh offense looked terrible. Into the and going into the late playoffs, and they really cooled off down the stretch, and, and Big Ben looked terrible. So the Steelers finished um, 31st in defense-adjusted DVOA, they call it, defense-adjusted value over average in 2019, and 22nd in 2020. Mm, so definitely looking to make a move up there. Uh, Jackson, Hugh Jackson has been out of the NFL since the end of the 2018 season. He finished that year with the Bengals as a special assistant to head coach Marvin Lewis after being fired by the Browns following a 2-5-1 start. So Hugh Jackson maybe fits better as maybe an offensive coordinator slash quarterbacks coach. He certainly doesn't fit as a head coach. That was pretty much a disaster. One of the best quarterbacks of his generation is hanging up the cleats. Indianapolis signal caller Phillip Rivers announced that he is retiring following 17 seasons in the NFL, his last most recently with Indianapolis. The uh, San Diego-Los Angeles Chargers legend played his final year in Indy. Led the Colts to the playoffs, but he's calling it quits at 39 years old. And he just can't wait to get into coaching is what I imagine it is and taking care of all those kids. But I really enjoyed his statement that he released upon retirement because it is very quintessential, quintessential Philip Rivers. And it goes like this, his statement. Every year, January 20th is a special emotional day. It is St. Sebastian's Feast Day, the day I played in the AFC Championship with an ACL, without an ACL, and now the day that after 17 seasons, I'm announcing my retirement from the National Football League. Thank God for allowing me to live out my childhood dream of playing quarterback in the NFL. I'm grateful to the Chargers for 16 seasons and the Colts for the 17th season. Thank you all to all my coaches that helped me grow as a player in person. Thank you to the support staff. I appreciate the opposing defenses making it challenging physically and mentally every week. I also enjoyed the banter. 
I appreciate the referees for putting up with all my fussing, and I think I was right most of the time, dadgummit. See, that is quintessential Philip Rivers, and I enjoy that. Uh, infamous trash talker with other defensive players. He would go on to thank the fans in San Diego and around the nation, both that cheered and booed. And uh, he also thanked his teammates and his wife and his kids. So a very nice statement by Philip Rivers. Um, there's going to be some discussion about is he a Hall of Famer or not. Could be borderline. Put up a lot of stats, but never won the big one. Never got to the Super Bowl. Got close a few times. But Rivers entered the league as a number four overall pick in 2004, but did not become the starter for the Chargers until his third season. Of course, Drew Brees was there at first. But Rivers wasted little time establishing himself as a playmaker and threw for 3,388 yards and 22 touchdowns and nine interceptions. It was the first what eventually would become 15 straight seasons with more than 3,000 passing yards, 12 of which would see him throw for more than 4,000. In all, Rivers would go on to complete 65% of his passes for 63,440 yards, 421 touchdowns, and 209 picks. He is fifth on the all-time list in both passing yards and touchdowns. So he was known coming out of North Carolina State for having sort of that funky delivery, kind of like that sidearm delivery. But ultimately, um, that may be what defines him in the eyes of some fans, especially when compared to other quarterbacks of his era, such as Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, and Ben Roethlisberger. So um, Houston Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson reportedly favors a trade to the New York Jets rather than the Miami Dolphins. That report coming out of the Miami Herald, Watson has told people that he wants to move to the AFC East. And while the Jets and Dolphins have both have interest in him, the Jets are atop his list of potential landing spots. Good luck there because New York sucks. You would, I wouldn't be caught dead in that state, man. It is a demonic, tyrannical state. Ain't no way I'm freaking living in New York. But hey, if Watson wants to go there, hey, dude, that's on you. I understand that Houston's a bad situation. And uh, the ownership isn't all that impressive right now. It looks very dysfunctional. But you might want to go ahead and give their new coach that they just hired a chance and talk it over with him. That's right. We have some breaking news. Um, The Houston Texans have hired David Culley of the Ravens. He, I believe, is 65 years old from what I'm reading and if you don't have you haven't heard of David Culley yet, he's um, done some work with the Ravens, um, a few coaches around the league. Uh, he is a minority hire, and the, some coaches around the league have said that if Deshaun Watson has open ears, that Culley will reach him. Culley advocates, interestingly, including uh, included Andy Reid from, um, although. Um, er, er, it's not like Andy Reid would seem to prioritize him over Eric Bieniemy, but Reid apparently has a strong belief in David Culley as a coach and a person who can build a team culture, a positive team culture. And it's believed a lot of staff around the league believes that Culley will prioritize empowering his own staff and his coordinators, and he will not micromanage and will be a program leader with some positive energy. So it could be that uh, that this is a good hire for the Texans and maybe – the uh, Sean Watson will, in fact, change his mind and decide to stay after a conversation with Coach Cully. So, Deshaun Watson, all eyes are upon you, brother. Um, you could probably write your ticket. Very smart of Deshaun Watson's agent in his last contract to lock him up with the no trade clause like that. He can ex- he can mix any deals <coughs> to any teams that he does not like. 
So this offseason should be very interesting in the NFL. There's going to be a lot of quarterback movement. Matt Stafford is out there on the record as wanting to, wanting a change of scenery. So it's going to be very interesting. Looking forward to the Super Bowl on February the 7th. So um, that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of the Football Gumbo Show. I'd like to thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.